You are listening to the Sun Grove Podcast. For more information, please visit our website at sungrove.org. Good morning, everybody. Didn't you guys love Dusty last week? Wasn't that fantastic? Right? Just an idea of simple prayer. It, I've used it this week. It's been great. And one of his points, if you weren't here, was, you know, it's okay if you fall asleep when you're praying. Wasn't that just nice? Like, you don't have to feel guilty when you fall asleep praying. It was a little awkward this week when um, praying for family dinner and I fell asleep. Um, at the table. It was a little awkward, but it was no big deal. The In-N-Out employees were great. They brought me a pillow and a blanket, and um, (laughs) that's not in my notes. I don't know. I'm just sitting there thinking about that. It was a great message, and I've been applying it all week. Um, Today, we're going to jump right in, and I have to tell you a true story, and some of you are going to say, well, this is my... Every part of this is true, I'm about to tell you. I'm on a plane, a um, four-seat personal plane, and uh, a private-owned, I think it's a Cessna, I don't know the number, and I'm headed to a men's retreat. And I had made up every excuse to not go on the men's retreat. I have a bad back. I couldn't do a six-hour car ride. I didn't have the money to pay for the men's retreat. And the guy in my men's circle group paid for my trip and got me an airplane ride. I mean, how cool is that, right? Those are some good friends and some good men. And, and real quick, I'm going to take a quick stop for a second in the story. Um, we do have a men's retreat coming up in September. So men, look at me. You need to be there. And if you have an issue with finances or, um, you know, your, your circle group, you got one guy who refuses to go, don't let him off the hook. Make sure you get him there. There's my encouragement. It's coming up in September. Um, so here we are. We're in the we're Cessna. We're flying. And I'm kind of doing the normal mic thing. And I'm saying, uh, I'm in the back seat behind the pilot. And I'm saying, I tap the pilot, hey, I got to use the restroom. Is that in the back? Where's the door? And he's like, oh, funny, funny, Millette, you know. And uh, I, I say to him, well, When's the lady come by with the peanuts? I'm hungry. <laughs> My, come on now. And this is a fancy leather seat, like, you know, great setup on a plane. It's got this cool display in the middle, which is the coolest thing on the whole plane. You can see all the planes around. You can click on them, and you can find out where they were going, where they are, how high they are. It's really cool plane. And there's a handle in the middle. And, of course, again, tap the pilot. Hey, can I, can I pull that handle real quick? And he says, Millette, do you know what that is? I said, I have no idea what it is, but it looks really important. It's all red, and it's... He said, if you pull that, a rocket fires out of the plane and it releases a parachute and we come crashing down at about 20 miles an hour, the plane will be destroyed, but we'll, we'll live. And I said, so you don't want me to pull the handle? <laughs> and he said, yes, I don't want you to pull the handle. About 45 minutes into the trip, take a look. This is what I see on that display because I can kind of see it's right in the middle. So we're flying from, I don't know if you can tell, but on the left side there, that's kind of California. And then the blue line is our flight path. So we're flying from this side to this side. So there's our path. I think we're headed to Lake Mead. And I notice, about 45 minutes in, that we aren't following that path. We're going around that shaded area. We're not going in a straight line. And I say, why aren't we going in a straight line? He says, Mike, that that red area is restricted. We're not authorized to go in that area. And I say, well, what about the lighter area? He said, well, that's kind of more of a caution area, like a warning zone. You, you could go in there. And I say, of course, cut the corner. Come on, man. Let's have some excitement. Let's start this men's trip. We're men, aren't we? And he said, I'm not cutting the corner, Mike. Even in the warning zone, I'm not going to do it. And I say, come on, live a little. Cut the corner. Who would do that? Would you? I'd be like, come on, let's live a little. It's a warning zone. It's no big deal. You want to cut the corner? He raised his hand. You want to cut a little adventure? Let's get this thing going. As we're, as we're flying, we're, he refuses to cut the corner, but we're, we're right on the line. I look out my window about 100 yards, a little bit behind me. 
I see a predator drone. No joke, a predator drone. They're a lot bigger than I thought, by the way. They weren't like a little remote. It's a full-size plane. I had no idea it was that big. I look out, and I know they're not going to believe me, right? Because I've been messing with them. It's, you know, the boy who cried wolf. And I say, hey, guys, just so you know, are you sure you didn't cut the corner? He says, I did not cut the corner. I said, well, we got a drone tracking us. Millet, come on, whatever. <laughs> they refused to believe me. I said, well, how about we cut the corner now? Would you, if there was a drone, would you cut? He said, I'm not cutting the corner no matter what. And right then, the guy on my right side, so he's in the back seat with me, he looks out his window and he says, wait, there's a drone over here. I look out my window, my drone's still there. I said, we have two drones tracking us now. Now, as soon as this guy says something, the pilot says, wait a minute, there's nothing on my display. There's nothing here. But they believe him. They believe him. And all of a sudden, he's going, are there really drones? And he can't see. He can't turn far back enough to see. And I'm saying, there's a drone. And he says, there's a drone that's confirmed. Just then, in all four of our headsets, it cuts in and it says this. Hello, we have been tracking you for the last 10 minutes. Thank you for your service. This has been a uh, practice exercise, and we thank you for your help. The drones then, twice the speed they're going, go do a flyby right out in front of us. And the pilot, he looks down his display. There's the two drones. He, they all of a sudden turned it back on. Now we can see them. It was awesome. It was awesome. And then after the drones fly away, I say, boy, can you imagine if someone was trying to convince the pilot to cut the corner? <laughs> and they had Millette, I said, those things had missiles. <laughs> and they all happened. Um, I, I tell you that story. It's not a perfect illustration, but it sets up our message today. It, it gives us an idea of a you're not authorized. It gives the idea, who gave you permission? And what gives you the right? And if you are in this situation, your life is actually kind of on the line. So I want you to keep that as we go through our passage today. Keep that idea of not being authorized. The title of today's message is, Who Do You Think You Are? First, before we jump in, we got to cover the setting of this passage because it's critical to the story. So right now, we know that John the Baptist is dead. He was killed. Lazarus has died, been in the tomb for four days, and then Jesus raised him from the dead. Lazarus, this is Jesus' friend. He wept when he heard that Lazarus had died. Four days, he raises him from the dead. And now Jesus is coming into town. He's coming back to Jerusalem, like everybody else, um, Passover is about to happen, and he's bringing the risen Lazarus with him. Listen to this in John 12, 9 through 11. When all the people, say all the people, all the people heard of Jesus' arrival, they flocked to see him and also to see Lazarus, the man Jesus had raised from the dead. All the people are coming. And they're kind of coming already, but I think they're coming a day early. Listen to this. Then the leading priests decided to kill Lazarus too. So they're going to kill him also. Who else are they going to kill? They already decided to kill Jesus. That's already in the plan. So now the next day is Palm Sunday. Next day is Palm Sunday. Jesus rides in on a donkey. And we know that part of the story. Everyone's praising. They're singing, throwing the palm branches down. And here's Jesus coming in in this triumphal entry. Listen to Matthew 21.10. 
the entire city of Jerusalem was in an uproar. Say uproar. The entire city is in an uproar. As Jesus entered, who is this? They asked. Who does this guy think he is riding in on a donkey taking all this praise? Let's go to Monday. Jesus clears out the temple, Matthew 21, 12. Jesus entered the temple, and this is the big, huge temple. This isn't like the small. This is the main temple in Jerusalem. And he began to drive out all the people buying and selling animals for sacrifice. This is supposed to be a spiritual thing. People are making money. Uh, it's all corrupt. Um, and he knocked over the tables and the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves. Even the low-end people who can't afford a lot for sacrifices. Yeah, you can't do this. This should remind us of... You know, a little less than three years before Jesus had done this early in his ministry. And I think Jesus walked in and he just said, I can't believe you're doing this again. You're right back to your same old tricks. I'm thinking they're going, yeah, but, you know, the priest, we, we get a little bit of money. You know, maybe it's a, a percentage of profits. Maybe it's, a, you know, rent this little space and you get some money like the swap meet. Jesus isn't going to have any of that. So it's still Monday. Check with me here. Matthew 21, 15. The leading priests and teachers of religious law saw these wonderful miracles. What wonderful miracles? He's healing blind people in the temple. So he tips everything over, cleans it all up, says, okay, get this out. This is what it's supposed to be. And he's healing the blind and healing the lame. And listen to the Jewish leaders. They say what? These are wonderful. Say wonderful. They say, this is Okay. This is okay. These are wonderful miracles. We like this. This works for us. Listen to this, though. And heard even children shouting in the temple. Praise God for son of David. Son of David. The children get it that he's the Messiah. The son of David. The children get it. Matthew 21, 15, check this. But the leaders were indignant. So the children are shouting, and the leaders are saying, okay, the kids, I can't believe they're saying the Messiah is here, and this is him. And the Jewish leaders, they're indignant. They're mad. They are angry. They're done. And they asked Jesus, so now they confront him. Now, don't think that it's a scene like this, you know, you got the temple is massive, courtrooms, thousands and thousands of people. And yet, when this stuff is going on, people are quiet and they're listening. So there's an audience. And listen here. The leaders were indignant and they asked Jesus, Do you hear what these children are saying? Do you get that they're praising you for being the Messiah? Do you get that they're praising you for being God? Jesus says, and I didn't put it up here because I want you to read it yourself today, later or tonight. Jesus says, yeah, I get it. Uh, haven't you ever read your Bible? That's what he said to him. They're all mad. They're frustrated. They're red-faced. And he's like, yeah, I get it. Haven't you read your Bible? These are the Jewish leaders. These are the, the huckamuckas in their religion. Tuesday. This is our passage. So there's our setting. We want to keep in mind this idea of you're not authorized. And think about the situation and the heated moment that we're in. We're going to pray, God, as we jump into this passage, I pray, um, like I did earlier today, that 
somehow you could come into this room and into our hearts and our minds and make this real to us. Make your word come alive and have it make sense. Without your spirit in here, we just can't get it. It's not going to lock in. And God, we don't want to be like the Jewish leaders who just didn't get it. They were missing it. And Father, I pray that no one here misses it today because of what you do. Pray this in your son's name. Everybody said, amen. All right. <clears throat> Matthew 21, 23 to 27. We're going to jump right in. If you have your um, Bibles, go through and uh, look that up. When Jesus returned to the temple, so he goes back to the temple again. And he began teaching and leading. The priests and elders came up to him, and this is what they were going to say. They say demanded. They say that again. They demanded. <laughs> wow. Anybody want to demand you do anything? Like, just think about what that would feel real quick. Demand you to do anything. Stand up. I demand it. No, don't, don't. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. He's going to do it. He's like, oh, I'll do it. Okay. <laughs> it feels weird if anyone's demanding it. And there's a lot of people now. This isn't just two or three. This is a, a large group of people coming in and demanding of Jesus. By what authority are you doing all these things? Who gave you the right? All what things? Receiving praise for being the Messiah, riding a donkey and have everyone in town coming out and singing Hosanna. How about healing in the temple? Ah, they were okay with that. They're like, ah, we like that part. How about embarrassing them by saying, don't you read your Bible? Next verse, <clears throat> I tell you, this is Jesus talking now, I'll tell you by what authority I do these things if you answer one question. Now, when I first read this, I thought he was being kind of dismissive, but the truth is this is kind of a common thing um, in this teaching setting. Like, it's okay to ask a question of a question. So this is okay. That, that's not insulting. He says this, I'm going to ask you one question, Jesus replied. Did John's authority, so this is John the Baptist, okay, John the Baptist, who when he saw Jesus said, I can't baptize you because I know who you are. Did John's authority to baptize come from heaven or was it merely human? The best part is, is they're going to answer it for us um, as they evaluate. Take a look at the next verse. They talked it over among themselves. So get the picture. Jesus says, okay, look, I'll answer your question, but first you answer this one. They have to get away. So themselves, they go and they get away and they start to have this conversation. If we say it was from heaven, he will ask us why we didn't believe John. Didn't believe John what? That the Messiah was coming. He's going to say, if we say it was from heaven, then we should have believed John when he said the Messiah is coming. And that means telling them that you're coming. And they don't want to admit that. So we can't do that. That answer's out. But if we say it was merely human, we will be mobbed. Because the people believe John was a prophet. In fact, he was the last one. But the mob thing, so get this idea, there's a lot of people. Imagine the crowds around that if they were to say it was merely human, they're afraid that these people, all these other people are listening, that they would be mobbed. So they finally, so they're over in this group, and they finally, so this was a long time, a long process, they finally come back and they say this to Jesus. We don't know. Jesus responded, then I won't tell you by what authority I do these things. 
So real quick, if you want to grab out your notes, you can do that. We're just going to look at this story from two different perspectives. And uh, this isn't an exhaustive list. These are just a few things that stood out to me. Um, perspective one, we're going to look at Jesus. So Jesus was, number one, aware of his authority. It's really important that we get this thought. Jesus, when he's standing there, he is very aware of his authority. He knows he has the authority to re, uh, receive praise as God because he is God. He knows he's God. He's okay to have um, the authority. He knows he has the authority to heal anywhere he wants. He has the authority to forgive sin. In fact, Jesus even said himself that if, is it easier to heal someone, get them up and walking again, or to forgive their sin? Because one has to be God because only God can forgive sin. He knows he has the authority to clear out the temple, to teach in the temple. He has the authority to create. We know that from John chapter 1. In fact, we know Jesus knows in this setting he has authority over all. He doesn't need permission from anyone. We know that because in Matthew 28, 18, Jesus says, and he came and he told his disciples, I have been given all authority. Say all authority. Right? All authority in heaven and on earth. His Father has given him the authority. Next, Jesus also, Jesus was courageous in an extremely dangerous situation. Now, I say that and I go, okay, I understand that's not really dangerous. Jesus, in his perspective, knows that this isn't the day and the time that this is going to happen. He knows he is going to be arrested eventually, but this isn't it. But his example in this dangerous situation is a great example for us. I mean, he knew at some point he was going to be captured and killed, but in this moment, he gets the tension in the room. He gets it. And I'm telling you, folks, um, times are changing in our country. We better wise up. Things aren't always going to be cushion easy. Church has been persecuted for thousands of years. You think it's going to stop? We've had it easy for a little bit, but it's coming. And will we be uh, courageous? I mean, this example of taking courage, and he keeps coming back to the temple. He knows it's almost over. <clears throat> and why does he keep doing that? Because, just a quick side note, we got to remember, most of the people weren't trying to kill Jesus, just a select few, a handful. Most of the people were in awe. The whole town is in an uproar. Everyone, who is this guy? And they're all talking about it. He was going to keep coming back day after day, and teaching his people. Third, confident in times of criticism. I like this one. He knew he was called to lead and to teach. He knew he was obviously going to be the Savior, but he continued despite others' opinions of who he was and what he should do. And this gets us a lot. Other people have opinions of us, and we can't let their criticism of saying, you're not qualified do you know what's going on in that person's life? They shouldn't be serving and, com and doing communion. Oh, what? You can't let what other people think. What you do is we care that God is our audience, and we don't care what men think. We want to please the Lord, not people. You with me? I love this one, calm. Jesus was calm even when provoked. We demand when challenged, he remained patient and calm. Imagine how our interpersonal relationships would be if we could just do that one thing. When you feel that provoke, that 
I have the right. I demand. If we could just respond, being calm and patient, wouldn't that change our marriages? Wouldn't that change our family dynamics with your teenager, maybe, your, your boss? I just think this is a fun example of Jesus. I love this point. Um, again, it's not a major, but it stood out to me. Let's switch to perspective two. Let's look at what the Jewish leaders, some of the points that, and things that they might be thinking. First off, you've got to realize they are protecting their people. Yes, they're protecting themselves and all that, but I think there's a part here we've got to think about. They're protecting their people. In their mind, is Jesus a false teacher? Yes. Is he claiming to be God? Yes. Is he blaspheming? He's saying, that's blasphemy. They're protecting their people. Are people leaving in droves and starting to believe in him? Yes, we know that from the Lazarus part. People are leaving, following a false teacher. And they have authority over those people. And they're trying to get some control over it. They get to ask the question of Jesus. We can't forget that. Number two, though. They were super passionate, but wrong at the same time. Passionate, but wrong at the same time. So passionate that they were going to kill two people, one of whom they're like, we know he's at least a prophet, that's Jesus. They're going to kill two people. That's how passionate they are. But they're just wrong. I think of this all the time in their planning meeting. Again, I imagine myself when I'm reading these stories to being in the room and I imagine myself being with those Jewish leaders and they're saying, yeah, we got to kill Lazarus too. And, and I'm thinking in their planning, someone would have had to say, you know what, we better kill Jesus first. Why? Well, because if we kill Lazarus, Jesus is going to keep raising him from the dead. Like he can't kill him, right? How many times they try? Someone's going to think that, right? I like that thought. They had to have a plan. Oh, we've got to kill Jesus first. And then what does that mean? That, that should mean something somewhere. To click. He's different. Think about this. Think about this for just a minute. They're about to kill the real, true Messiah. They just missed part of it because they were looking for a king. They just missed it. But, I mean, imagine the, the, the worst Decision of your life killing the person that you love that is here to save and to reign. Um, I asked my family the other day, um, okay guys, how many times, think of some times, I need an illustration of when dad's been super wrong, super wrong, but very passionate and thinking I'm right. And apparently as the stories were flying around, I said, this is too big of a topic. <laughs> yeah. So I had to narrow it down. Let's take driving and directions. That's off limits. We're not talking about those stories anymore. Let's, let's get rid of any kind of trivia with current pop culture. Yeah, that's not, that's not going to work. And I said, let's just narrow it down to the biggest ones where you guys were all just inside or whatever going, I cannot believe Dad's doing this, and this was the top of the list. Um, we had just, but 12 years ago, we had our first house. We'd been in ministry, renting all the time. So we got into a house. Thank you, Lord. We love you. And it needed lots of work lots of work and my first plan was to get the backyard ready so I took out the I don't even know what you call that thing the thing where you broke your finger tetherball pole I took that thing out right away it was cement it was all dangerous I knew that wasn't gonna work and then there was a tree that had to come out so we could start building my mother-in-law's quarters like her house I had to get that thing out so I get the chainsaw and I don't know what time it was three o'clock or so and I'm getting the top all cleared off when I get the down to the trunk and I'm about three quarters of the way through the trunk and the chainsaw breaks it's eight o'clock at night 
And I do like any self-respecting man in this room, I go get the axe, right? Because at this point, the tree's not beating me. Like, let's be clear. I'm going to win. The sun's already gone down. I got my dad out there. He's got the flashlight. And I'm taking this axe, and I'm going to finish getting this. I think it was about eight feet. It's cold. It's coming down. Mindy comes out, my wife. The kids, she's sending out little Brooke, you know. Daddy, you should stop because this is going to hurt your back, Daddy. Don't do it. And I'm like, I feel great. And this tree will not win. It's me versus the tree. Anyway, then for whatever reason, I was going to beat the tree. And, and I hacked the thing. And when I'm done, the thing fell and it was on the ground. I'm like, Dad, we can go to bed. He said, son, it's 10 o'clock. <laughs> that took a long time. I said, I know. Well, probably should have sharpened the axe. And uh, he, he's just shaking his head at me. And he says, so what was that all about? Because he was silent. He said, son, what was that all about? He said, Dad, I got a house. And he says, son, I'm proud of you. You stuck with it, and, and uh, we'll see if this was a wise choice. Well, I was in bed for a week with, <laughs> with the bad bag, literally in bed. And Minnie just looks at me, and just, she's shaking her hands. And she didn't say, told you so, so told you so. She wouldn't do that, but she would just say, can you say it? In our family, we have a thing, can you, can you say it? I can say it. And, and if you're married, this is gold. Like, can I say it? I can say it. Sweetheart. I was wrong, you were right. That's gold, I'm telling you, it's gold. And if you're not ma married, do not marry a dude who cannot say that, okay? Let me just be clear, you have to be able to say it. So I say all that to say this. What if we're so passionate about things, so passionate, like I have to do this, that we miss Jesus? Now the things I'm about to say, there's nothing wrong with any of them, but I'm telling you, in our nation, these are some things that are causing people who think they know Jesus and they don't know him. How about the American dream? What if there's parents raising their kids saying, look, I need you to work hard so you can buy a house, have a family, 2.5 kids, have your cars, be able to retire, have a good life for yourself. As if that's the goal. And I'm not saying any of that's bad. I'm just saying sometimes, imagine as a parent, the worst thing, the worst thing, you would, the worst decision isn't you're not going to kill Jesus. But what if you led your kids down a path that didn't include Jesus? And that that was the goal, was the American dream. How about Politics. How about if people know more about you, when they think of you, they say, oh, I know what that guy is. I know everything about him. What that woman is, I know everything about him because of their politics. They wouldn't look at your life and say, oh, that person's a Jesus follower. Talk more about it. Listen to more things about it. Focus more on it. What if we miss Jesus for politics? How about family? Now, this one's crazy, I know, but Jesus said... That for some people, they're going to miss me because they don't love me enough. They, they're holding on to their family. It's almost like you need to hate your mother and father, Jesus said, in comparison to me. I've had people tell me, Mike, going to heaven, wow, that sounds okay, but it can't be better than my family. And I go, what are you thinking? Haven't you read your Bible? 
How about sports, hobbies, more passionate about all those things? And we're so passionate, and yet we can miss Jesus. Third thing I noticed from these religious leaders is that they want Jesus to be their version of Jesus. They want Jesus to be their version of Jesus. Verse 15, we love those miracles. That's okay with us. That's good. We love the prophet status. You can keep that one. You can keep the prophet status. But hey, knock off this son of David stuff. No more Messiah business. Don't let people worship you like that. Hey, healing stuff, we like that again. But don't raise any more people from the dead. We don't like that. And definitely, you do not have authority. This is red zone. Stop clearing out our temple. We've been doing this for a long time. It works. Hey, logically, it makes sense. People are coming from so far away, having to bring their cattle and all that. It's just a pain. We're making it easy for them. And yeah, we're making a few bucks on the side. So don't mess with our business. I like that kind of Jesus. Hey, teaching in parables. This is coming up. We're going to talk about this in a minute. Teaching in parables that make us look bad, that's not okay. You can be this Jesus, but none of this stuff. And I'll tell you, we do that today. I do this. We want Jesus who we want him to be. We want him to be our flavor of Jesus. We want him to be all loving and all inclusive and everyone goes to heaven. We don't like that Jesus said, the only way to my father is through me. The only way. But see, we don't like that. Like the religious leaders of the day. Like, okay, Jesus, this stuff is okay, but you, you can't say stuff like that. We don't like when Jesus says, sell what you have and give it to the poor. I still don't get that one. And I know that for that guy, that was his one thing he needed to give up. And that was without it, that was his love. I think, well, I don't love money like that. But I still got to love the poor. So selling things, give it to the poor. Try it. It's pretty darn fun. Make sure no one knows about it, by the way. Except for the poor person. That's a good way to do it. How about this one? We don't like pray for our enemies. Jesus hanging on the cross, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. How about Stephen when he's being stoned? Lord, please don't hold this sin against them. Now when I say that, I gotta pause for just a minute and talk to some of the people in the room here who have felt the abuse of authority. I mean, you, you could have quickly thought if your mind went to a boss, a teacher, or a coach, but for some people in here, the abuses are massive. A foster parent, family member, even a boyfriend or girlfriend or husband or wife that abused their authority. And that's real life. I talk to these people and they'll say this, you want to talk enemies, Millette? Where do you've heard my story? And they commonly will say this to Jesus, you can have my life, but I'll never forgive blank the name of the person, and I will never pray for them. You want me to pray that God would do something good? Now, when I pray, God does things. I don't want anything good to happen. And when you hear my story, you'll say, it's okay. It's okay. You don't have to forgive them. Yeah, you definitely have to pray for them, because that was a bad, bad situation. Do you think I say that? 
Why not? Because it's not what Jesus said. He's the authority. He said, pray for your enemies. And right now, that blank for some of you, um, I don't know what to tell you, um, but today might be the day you get to lay that burden down at the feet of Jesus. He has the authority if you'll just give him the authority in your life to start. He has the authority to heal. Will you let him? I'm not saying it's going to be like an instant thing. You're going to walk out of here and be like, oh, this is great. But let him start. Let him into, let him into that area of your life. Because right now, there's a big red area around it with a whole big buffer around it where no one gets into that area. There's not going to be any change or any love, let alone praying for my enemy. Today might be the day that that starts. I just want to encourage you, don't carry that burden another day. Jesus can take it. Okay, so what happened next? Jesus didn't answer their question. So what happened next? It's important to note that these leaders didn't walk away after being kind of snubbed. They didn't leave. They hung around and Jesus kept teaching. In fact, he was telling parable after parable after parable. These parables were harsh and they were direct and pretty darn easy to understand. Why was he doing this? Because he had the Jewish leaders caught in this awkward situation. He had a captive audience. If they just bolted, they'd have to like walk out with their heads down. They stayed, and Jesus wanted to try to get through to them. He wanted to get them to see who he really was. Matthew 21, 45 and 46. When the leading priests and Pharisees heard this parable, so this was the second parable when this is in, they realized, say realized, they understood the parable. They get it. Watch, as we keep going. He was telling the story against them. They were the wicked farmers. You're going, I don't understand. I know it's too much to cover, but you go through, read Matthew 21. It's phenomenal. They were the wicked. They get it. They wanted to what? They wanted to arrest him, but they were afraid of the crowds who considered Jesus to be a prophet. Isn't it cool that people in the crowds still didn't really get that all of them that he was the Messiah? They're thinking, oh, he's a prophet. He's like John the Baptist. They still hadn't gotten it yet. Give him five more days. Give him five more days. Maybe you're sitting here today and you're thinking, I want answers. Jesus, answer my question. Why did bad things happen? Why do these awful things happen to me? Why have they happened to people around me? I just don't understand. I don't understand the Bible. I can't believe. And let me tell you, I've, I've talked to lots of folks like this, and often the people with the biggest questions are the people who really just have an authority issue. Maybe you're like that where Jesus, you know, wants authority over your life. But you just take that and you push it down and say, I'm not going to do that because I want to live my own life. But his authority over your life, it needs to be complete. We're going to wrap this up here. Back to our story about the restricted airspace. Maybe it sounds something like this. Jesus, I'll give you these 17 areas of my life you have my permission, but this one, you have no authority. Stay out. It's off limits. It belongs to me. It's restricted. In fact, don't even get near it. And this is my question to you if you're thinking that. Who do you think you are? 
talking to Jesus like that. He's God. He wants your whole life. You can't hold on to that one thing. Maybe it's the sin. You're like, I'm not giving that up. Stay away from there. Stay away. Off limits. For me, often, it's my guilt and shame. I don't know if you're like me. I'm, I'm hard on myself. And sometimes I have an area and it kind of comes back every few years of a bad thing that I've done. And, and you would all agree it's horrible. And, and I hold on to my guilt and shame. And I say, Jesus, stay out. I don't want forgiveness. I deserve to feel guilty. I don't deserve to be forgiven. Stay away. And what I do is I belittle the cross and I take Jesus Christ's supremacy over all things and I make it under my control. I'm demanding of Jesus. Who do I think I am to do that? Jesus says that he's come for all of you to come to repent. He wants all of us to have life and he's going to forgive everything. Jesus wants the good, the bad, and the ugly. Can we just bow our heads? We're going to wrap up here. And For some of you, today is going to be the first day you ever let Jesus have authority over your life. Today is the first day. You're saying maybe your whole life has been a restricted area. But today you're going to say, Jesus... I'm ready. And, and if that is you, maybe you can just pray a prayer like this. You can kind of have a simple prayer, just a few sentences. Jesus, today I give you me. I believe you are the Messiah. I give you control. If you prayed that, can you just look up at me and, and raise your hand? No one else is looking. Can you just look up at me and raise your hand? If for the first time you prayed that prayer, I see you right here in the front. Anybody else? Yep, I see you in the back there, my man. We're going to change things up just a little bit. Can everybody look back up at me? In your seat back, can you guys grab one of these welcome cards? They're in the back and grab a pen. We're just going to have everyone do it. Can everybody do that? Grab a card. And if you're sitting in the front row, can someone in the second row give them a card and a pen because they can't reach it? Um, you don't have to write your name or do anything you want. But if you made that decision, you raise your hand. Can you check that little box that says new decision? You can put your name on there and we can follow up. There's a little box that says, I'd like information about and a new decision. For other people in here, that uh, forgiveness and the, the name of the person that is still buzzing in your head. I, I'm not saying, you're, can you just write their name? Write nothing else on the card. Just write their name so we can pray for you. Just write the name of the person. And we just pray. Um, and... And sometimes prayers for me on people who've done bad things are like, God, can you destroy their life so that they can find you? Because <laughs> all I care about is that they find Jesus. Because I know that'll change them. And for everybody else in here, I want to know if you believe the songs that we sang where Jesus is your all, you're going to give him everything. I just want you to write on, on your card 100%. That you hear this and you're like, Mike, I am all in. Jesus has authority of all areas of my life and I had one that I was holding on to or maybe you didn't have any. Maybe you walked in and you're like, no, Jesus has everything. Just write 100%. We just want to praise God for that. So just write 100%. Let's bow our heads and we're going to close in prayer. Um, as when you do leave, there's ushers. You can hand the cards to. You can just drop them in the black box. You can just stick it in your pocket and never give it to anyone. That's between you and the Lord. As we pray now, all together. Jesus, 
It's because of what you did that we can stand here and we can pray or sit here and pray. We can talk directly to our Heavenly Father and we don't even know what we're saying, but our groans are take our lives and use them any way you want. We are all yours. And please intercede and communicate the, the truth of our heart to our Father whom we love he can hear that we are here to serve him. God, I praise you for the new decisions this morning in this room. Life's changed and they get it that you opened up their eyes to the truth. Father, I pray for those struggling with the abuse of authority in their life. Can you right now in a mighty way get some peace into that heart? Father, I thank you for your word as it cuts right through and helps us in our daily lives. We love you. We love your word. We pray this in your son's name. Everybody said, amen. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the Sun Grove podcast. For information on Sun Grove Church, visit our website at sungrove.org.